Thank you for listening to this talk produced by the Art Gallery of South Australia. Hello everyone. Welcome back to the Art Gallery of South Australia's Tuesday lunchtime talks. My name is Lisa Slade and I'm the Assistant Director here at AGSA. The Art Gallery stands on Ghana land, AGSA Miana, Ghana Yatanga, Yuandi, Natalia. It gives me great pleasure and delight to be introducing our lunchtime talk presenter, Tansy Curtin, today. This is particularly auspicious because Tansy commenced her role three months ago, three months ago at the height of lockdown and whilst the gallery was closed. She migrated, but I'll let her tell you all about that, from Victoria over to South Australia, but back home to South Australia because this is her home state. Tansy is our new curator of international art pre-1980. Tansy joins us from her most recent appointment, was at Bendigo Art Gallery. So we feel incredibly excited and blessed to have somebody with expertise in international art, but very much from an Antipodean or Australian perspective. So, so delighted that you have joined our team. Tansy has presented at least one lunchtime talk that has been recorded, so you may already be familiar with her work, but this is her first live talk, live and online, and a big welcome to those of you joining us via our Vimeo feed today. Before I hand over, I would like to thank the public programs team. You can imagine, hopefully, how agile the team have had to be in recent weeks and months. We're so passionate about the work that we do that we've been coming up with lots of creative solutions and often having to reframe those ideas at the drop of a hat. So a big thanks to our team. Annika Williams, Isabel's here today recording, Jack, and Karina over here, who of course is our Auslan specialist, who'll be signing today's talk. And Ryan, and Ryan who is in the uh, ethernet somewhere. I'm gonna hand over to Tansy, but so great to have you in the house. And so lovely to have you in the house to see our familiar faces back at the art gallery. Thank you. Well, I must say it is very nice to be able to be here with people albeit very socially distanced. Um, it, it's a bit unusual to have such a widely spaced audience, but nevertheless, it's so wonderful for us, for us to have you back here. This is why we do what we do. We love to share our passions and our excitement for the arts and for the gallery with you when you can come in. So thank you for coming back. Um, so I will give you a little bit of background about myself and why I am, as Lisa mentioned, the Curator of International Art. I'm standing in the Elder Wing, which of course is the Australian section of the Art Gallery. Now, I was in Bendigo for almost 14 years, uh, first as a curator and then as curatorial manager, and over that time worked on lots and lots of different exhibitions across um, international and Australian arts. So I have quite a, a general sort of knowledge across um, both areas of, I suppose, AGS's collection as well. 
as Lisa mentioned, I am an Adelaide girl originally, so I have a great fondness and a great love for this gallery. I completed the art history program between the gallery and the university. Uh, I was the second year of graduation from that um, program and actually did my placement with the Curator of International Art at that time, Adam Free, in 2003. So I feel like I'm coming home to this wonderful collection and I keep having to pinch myself that I get to work with these amazing works of art and I I can just, you know, pop around and talk to the registration team and say, oh, I'd like to pop the Renoir up today, please, uh, which is such a, a wonderful privilege to be able to do that. Now, why am I in here talking about Australian art when, in fact, my area is international art? Well, I think it's mostly because of my love of the Australian expatriates, these incredible group of Australian artists who left Australia in the late 19th century, travelled internationally and experienced uh, France and London, and particularly my love for Bessie Davidson. And of course, we've got Bessie Davidson's wonderful paint box here and a, and a lovely work behind us as well. My last project at Bendigo Art Gallery was actually an exhibition of Bessie Davidson and Sally Smart's work. And you probably know that Sally Smart's actually a descendant of Bessie Davidson, so she created a new body of work responding to Bessie Davidson's work. Unfortunately, that exhibition was opened for one day before COVID shut it down, but they were able to reopen before the latest restrictions have happened. So I still have this wonderful burning passion for Bessie Davidson and these incredible Australian expatriate artists. So that's really what I'm going to talk to you a little bit about today. That's why we're standing here. But there's lots of other opportunities to see more works throughout the gallery as well. So expatriatism in the late 19th century is a really important part of Australian art history. And it really, of course, does cross over with international art history because Australian artists felt the need to travel internationally to develop their careers and to also become recognised within their own country as well. So really from the late 19th century, uh, there was this wonderful director of the National Gallery of Victoria School uh, and the National Gallery of Victoria, George Frederick Follingsby, and he established a travelling scholarship. And that travelling scholarship had a really huge impact on Australian artists at the end of the 19th century. So many great artists that we know and love today received that travelling scholarship to travel to London and Paris to experience these cosmopolitan artistic centres and to sort of diversify their own practice as well. As we all know, I mean, in Australia, we sort of, I guess, fear the known in a way. We want to explore the world out there. We want to experience what's happening in the world. And that was certainly the case in the late 19th century where it was expected that an artist, to be a, a really fulsome artist, they would need to travel and experience the art schools in Paris, the Royal Academy in London, and to have their work exhibited at the salons and also the RA as well. So we start seeing these groups of artists Firstly, the male artists travelling, those artists that we know so well associated with the Australian Impressionists, Streeton, Roberts, Charles Condor, all of those wonderful artists. But then we start to see this incredible cohort of female artists leaving and experiencing this wonderful international world. And it's really interesting to note that even from the late 19th century, the vast majority of, of um, students enrolled in art schools were women. So it, we see this change in the dynamic. 
And in fact, I gave a talk to the Carrick Hill Guides recently and I was talking about that wonderful E. Phillips Fox study for the NGV Art School, um, which shows these incredible women painting in the NGV's art school at the time. And it really shows you these women who were changing their lives through artistic practice. And South Australia has a really important role to play in that. Of course, I'm not standing in front of any Margaret Prestons here, but you can't talk about Australian modernism and Australian expatriatism, expatriatism without talking about Margaret Preston. And of course, these other amazing women at the time, like Bessie Davidson, like Gladys Rennell, these incredible cohort of female artists who were traveling. Now, Margaret Preston, as we know, known as Rose McPherson, originally in South Australia, very close friends with Bessie Davidson. The two of them traveled to Paris together originally and experienced studying at the art schools in Paris at the Academy Colorossi and Academy de la Grande Chaumier and very much established themselves as part of that artistic milieu in late 19th century France. Of course, one of the interesting things to think about is how much of that artistic practice came back to Australia. Of course, in the case of someone like Bessie Davidson, it didn't really come back to Australia. She lived and worked in Paris, that's where she stayed, and around different parts of France as well, but she elected not to return to Australia. Whereas artists such as Margaret Preston, Gladys Rennell, they brought their incredible artistic practice back to Australian audiences to really expand the Australian art world as well. So I think one of the things to think about as in the late 19th century is what were these artists painting? What, what were the topics that these expatriate artists, these early modernists, were interested in painting? There's a wonderful article by Rex Butler, who's a well-known art historian, who talks about um, works being French, floral, and feminine. So we see this period where we see a lot of flowers, and, and once I've mentioned that, you'll notice there's a lot of floral works uh, in this early modernist period. A lot of them are very feminine works, what we traditionally associate with the female, domestic interiors, women at leisure, women reading, lots of beautiful layering of fabric and textiles, and of course French as well, because France was the place that these artists wanted to travel to. They wanted to experience this bohemian lifestyle in Paris. The most interesting part of that, of course, is that while they went to Paris, most of them weren't very bohemian anyway. They actually led quite conservative lives in Paris, you know, being part of their own artistic studios, but not necessarily engaging with the sort of the more outrageous parts of, of Parisian lifestyle at that time. You know, we think about late 19th century Paris and we think about the Moulin Rouge and the Chat Noir and those amazing nightclubs that were made so famous uh, by those male artists. But of course, the Australian expatriates weren't really part of that sort of scene. But I did want to mention a few of these wonderful works that we've got around us to talk about what it was that these artists were doing and the changing uh, nature of Australian art history at that time. And you can really see that transition between, say, Australian Impressionism, of the, the sort of nation-building artworks that were created here in Australia, and then the different types of works that were actually being created internationally, and the different genre, the different subject matter, and often different scale as well. That's one thing I always like to point out to people is that, you know, the, a lot of these artists were working in a lot smaller scale when they were working internationally. They had to create works that needed to be moved, particularly if they were working on plein air, so if they were working out in the landscape, they, they couldn't be carrying huge canvases around. But also, if they were sending works back to Australia, they needed to be rolled, they needed to be easily transported, and of course, big canvases, big frames, 
couldn't be transported in that way. So, you know, you look at some of the scale of these works and you think, well, they're actually much more domestic in their scale. So perhaps another reason why they haven't received the acknowledgement that some of the great Australian Impressionist painters have because of the very grand scale of the, their works. Think of something like, you know, A Breakaway, an amazing, very large work, very different from, say, Bessie Davidson's quite humble uh, landscape work here, or, or even Ethel Carrick's beautiful Sous la Plage. What I'd like to talk a little bit about is let's get into some of these amazing artworks. And of course, beautiful works created on plein air again, out in the landscape. And even though I said to you French floral and feminine before, a lot of these women artists, a lot of these expatriate artists were working out in the landscape. They were working amongst these beautiful landscapes. And in fact, some of Bessie Davidson's best works are these light-filled, vibrant, colour-filled works that she created out in her property at Villeneuve and Guetterie and in Spain as well. So incredible works. So these women were really engaging with those ideas of the Impressionists and the post-Impressionists as well. And they were really excited by the work that they were creating. And one of the things I think is most successful about what these Australian artists were doing at, at the time is something that is uniquely Australian. It's this wonderful capacity to capture light. And we see that in these Australian Impressionist works. We see it, of course, in, in works by people like Charles Condor, that wonderful beach at Mentone, that beautiful bright white light. And we can see why their work was so popular internationally with their capacity to capture that wonderful brightness of the light. And of course, we've got a great section next door in the gallery that looks at Orientalism as well and that wonderful bright white light of the Orientalist sort of period too. And I think that's why these Australian artists were accepted so readily internationally. And they very much were. I mean, if we look at the history of Australian artists in France and in London, so many Australian artists had their work exhibited at the Royal Academies, hung on the line, as they say, exactly at eye height where it can be best admired, or included in the Paris salons. And many artists were, in fact, given medals by the Paris salons at the time. Bessie Davidson, of course, another wonderful example of hers. She received the Legion of Honour, uh, which is the highest award given by the French government. And in fact, AGSA has the Legion of Honour in its collection, which is very, very special. She was given that medal for her commitment to the arts, but also for her work in an infectious disease hospital during the First World War. So she really very much ingratiated herself into French life as well. Sadly, I think there's been a period in, in our history where these amazing expatriate artists, both male and female, but particularly female, have been lost to our history because they've fallen between the cracks. People like Bessie Davidson, Agnes Goodsir, Anne Alison Green, Ethel Carrick to a degree, uh, Hilda Ricks Nicholas, Kate O'Connor, they were forgotten for a while because some of their best works were created in France and some of them have stayed there. They were really very much part of that milieu. They weren't brought back to an Australian audience and they perhaps didn't connect with an Australian audience at that time. So they were forgotten. But at the same time, they weren't French, so they weren't remembered by the French either. So they weren't kept as part of the French culture. In fact, you know, Bessie Davidson has a work in the Centre Pompidou in Paris, but I don't imagine it's been displayed for a very long time. The Art Gallery of South Australia is one of the very few state galleries that has such an expansive collection of Bessie Davidson's work. 
of course, the National Gallery of Victoria, the Art Gallery of New South Wales. Neither of those institutions have any of Bessie Davidson's work in their collection. So these, these female artists still need to be recognised. We still need to keep having these conversations about expatriatism in Australia and the impacts as well on sort of a long-term story. But we can admire these incredible works here. We can look at them in the context of both our Australian art, but also our international art collection. And, and if you go and have a look in Melrose, you'll be able to see a wonderful John Russell, which I gave a lunchtime talk about, a virtual lunchtime talk about a little while ago now. And of course, John Russell was a wonderful Australian artist working in Belle-Ile, very close friends with Monet, created these wonderful impressionist works, but again was forgotten for a long time. But his work is, is displayed alongside um, Camille Pissarro up in Melrose. So giving a, a new context to some of these works. And I think, you know, looking at these works within that international context is a really nice way to, to consider them because they are very international works. They play a role in Australian modernism. They play a role in international modernism and tell us about who we are and where we've sort of come along in our history of Australian art, but also in the history of international art as well. So I'll just point out a few more works that I'd really like you to have a look at afterwards as well. Hilda Ricks Nicholas is a really interesting artist. This is a wonderful, of course, international work by her, but she did create a fabulous series of works on her property in the New South Wales Highlands. She was an amazing and driven woman. She married, and two weeks after she married, her husband was killed during the First World War. And then, of course, she remarried later and, and had a wonderful son later in her life. And she really found her passion in painting, in art. And she was very much part of that artistic milieu in Paris at the time. Of course, we've got John Russell here, and, and often referred to as John Peter Russell, because there was another John Russell at the time, but he didn't go by John Peter Russell, so I think we're reverting back to John Russell. And of course, we can't forget about someone like Rupert Bunny. Rupert Bunny is sort of considered the grandfather of Australian expatriates. He spent so much time traveling between Australia and Paris. Of course, married a wonderful French wife as well, created incredible works, mostly featuring her as well, these wonderful feminine interiors and this early sort of story of modernism. And we see that transition between what these male artists were doing with these sort of late Edwardian, early modernist works, moving forward into people like Bessie Davis and Ethel Carrick. And then if you head into the next gallery, these incredible explorative artists like Grace Crowley and Anne Danger, who were also very much part of that artistic milieu of the expatriate, but really pushing the boundaries of modernism and that modernist experience. So there's lots of different parts of this story throughout these gallery spaces and lots of different parts of this story to explore it in both an international and an Australian context. There's so much more work to be done on these amazing artists over the history of Australian art, and I think we'll keep doing it because we've got to keep doing it. Uh, and of course, a lot of these stories are being explored in exhibitions such as the Know My Name exhibition that the National Gallery in Canberra is um, putting on soon, and lots of these female artists particularly are slowly being reclaimed by Australian art and international art history. Thank you very much. I hope you've enjoyed it, and I look forward to the next one.